Welcome to the DA Field Guide 2020 podcast series. This is a special limited edition podcast series of four interviews commissioned by Creative New Zealand as a part of the DA Field Guide 2020, a look into New Zealand's post-COVID design practice. In this special series, we'll hear from leaders in the New Zealand design community and further our discourse around the creative and economic well-being of our community, identify opportunities for positive change, speculate on the future of our practice and critically examine the post-COVID design landscape in Aotearoa. Tēnā katoa, I'm Louise, Design Assembly Founder and Director, and today I'm talking to Eddie Royal. Eddie is the Director of Curative, a creative agency inspiring social change. Founded in 2012, Curative has been committed to finding new, interesting ways to inspire change since day one leading an experienced team of creative thinkers who are passionate about creating beautiful work that makes real impact. Eddie draws on her years of commercial experience in PR and advertising to use her practice strategic thinking and ideation to help respond to complex social issues. Kia ora, Eddie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, we're here to examine, reflect on and discuss the impact of COVID-19 on Aotearoa New Zealand design practice. But before we talk about that, I'd love to hear more about you and where you come from. Ah, well, kia ora. Um, nice to be here with you. Um, well, I'm Eddie Royal and I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a mama of one. I've got a beautiful two-year-old uh, daughter. Um, that was interesting during 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 this lockdown. Um, uh, I'm also a founder and director of uh, Curative, which is a, a small creative agency. Um, and we, we really work on projects that are about creating positive social impact. So all of our work is about um, how do we use design and creativity to help people really understand complex social issues, what causes and perpetuates them, and how we can take our own individual or collective actions for positive change. So, as you can imagine, during this time, uh, our work's been pretty pretty busy. Um, those sorts of conversations are, 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 are deeply important at a time like now. Uh, what else can I tell you about myself? I, uh, I live in Auckland. Uh, grew up all across New Zealand, though, which I think uh, really really helps um, to make sure that I don't just live in my Auckland bubble. And I'm but I'm thinking about. Uh, people um, across Aotearoa and the different experiences, the huge diversity of experiences that we that we have in, here in New Zealand. And I guess I represent a, a pretty diverse team. So um, we're, we're small, but uh, uh, come from all sorts of different walks um, of, of life um, and work really hard to make sure that there is a real diversity of um, experiences represented within, within our team too. And I know you're not a designer, but can you tell us a little bit about what you've trained in and kind of your experiences before um, leading Curative? Yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm one of those kind of anomalies. I, um, I've, been, I've been training uh, at the School of Life. Uh, I, um, I entered into the world of advertising when I was 18 and worked at a, a big agency called DDB. And so I kind of, um, I, I was really, really lucky to grow up um, and, and you know, my my career was also my education. So I, I had a lot of people who took time to really nurture me and 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 grow me. And it also meant that I've kind of naturally um, fallen into spaces and places that 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 um, that I've been drawn to um, uh, along along the way. That because 
of particular interest or because they felt like a really natural fit for, for, for the way that my brain works. Um, what I loved about working in, in advertising and, and PR, and at that time it was still kind of the above the line, below the line. We were just starting to talk about integrated communications. Digital was really just on the horizon. Um, so it was, you know, a lot of a lot has changed over the 20 years that I've been in the, in the kind of creative industries. Um, and so uh, it's also, that's meant that you've had to learn all the time on the job as you go, as, you know, new technologies come about, as we've kind of moved away from some really traditional tropes of advertising, um, as we've started to, you know, have the, the absolute explosion of social media and, and user-generated content and, uh, you know, even being able to film things on your phone now, whereas before we used to have to take huge crews of before we were going to do anything. There's, there's just, it's, it's such a wildly different place to what it was um, when, I, when I first stepped foot in, into the industry. And I guess, I think probably the common thread throughout my whole career is that power of storytelling to move people. And how did you find yourself uh, working in the social space or, you know, was there a moment that you thought, okay, this is where my passion lies and where I want to put my focus? I mean, I think I'm just a little bit too old to be a millennial, but I'm probably a millennial at heart. So I was always looking for that kind of purpose um, in, in, in the work that we do. And um, after I left DDB and I was, I was freelancing, I was kind of um, a little bit uh, without a tribe, I guess is probably... Um, the right word, and I was looking for looking for that, and I found this great group called Y Media, um, where uh, I ended up uh, working and, and helping to lead that that organisation uh, for a period of time. Basically, we we partnered tertiary students with community organisations, and, and then when I got involved, we added the um, the industry into the mix as well. And through that time, students would produce live work for a community partner under the guidance of an industry mentor. And I think what that really showed me was um, there are so many amazing community organisations in New Zealand, 97,000 community groups, 24,000 registered charities at, the, at that time. Um, and all with mega big hearts wanting to do really good and important necessary work, but, but many of whom didn't have the skill to be able to tell their story, to be able to bring others along on the journey. And so I, I guess I really saw that there was... Um, not just an opportunity, but an absolute need for, for that to happen. If we're actually going to shift the dial on some of the things that perpetuate real harm here in New Zealand, then um, then we need to we need to be able to help people better understand those harms, what causes them, and how we can create change um, for things to become better and healthier and, and, and more productive for, for everyone. And so nine years ago, started Curative uh, with um, my then uh, co-founder, Jade. And um, yeah, it's been, you know, I guess I, I said earlier, every day of my career has been a, been a, a learning um, journey. So uh, that's true of the entire journey at Curative too. And so what's your role today in Curative and what do you do day to day? Yeah, so... Um, that's a great question. What does any director of any company do day to day, right? So I guess at Curative, um, we really firmly believe that people are the experts in their own experiences and therefore they must be involved in any design process. So while I'm not a graphic designer, I kind of hold the role of strategic design for all of our work. And that includes how do we actively involve the communities for whom we're working 
with, not for or doing things to, but that we're working with, how do we engage them authentically in our processes? How do we unlock and awaken the creativity that already lies within? Um, how do we how do we structure our projects and our work to make sure that we're telling the, the best stories in the best possible ways? Um, and also I really take... Um, um, I guess responsibility for, for looking after and nurturing the, the team and making sure that they're all growing and learning and um, stretching um, their own creativity too. So have you looked at any other kind of more traditional agency model? I probably take the role of managing director and a little bit of the role of creative director and a little bit of the role of strategic director. And what have your, your kind of main inspirations and mentors been throughout your career and life so far? Uh, yeah, there's so, so many. Interestingly, I think since becoming a mum, my, my biggest inspiration is definitely Luca, my little girl. She's present in all of the work that I do and in all the thinking that I do. It's hard not to have a little person in your life and, and be doing work that's about making the world better for the future and not be thinking about what her future is going to look like. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the mentors that I've had in my life have been pretty varied, uh, almost always female, and some because they have um, extraordinary leadership capability, the likes of Joe Brosnahan, who is the founder of Leadership New Zealand, Sina Wentmore, who also works at, at Leadership New Zealand, you know, women who have had to had to make space to be heard. Certainly, uh, I, I've, I've been able to spend a lot of time with and, and learn a lot from from them. Um, in the the social sector, there are so many incredible people who have just um, you know you're really walking on the on the shoulders or standing on the shoulders of giants in in, in that community. I, I, there's just too many too many people to name. Lots and lots of peers who have started or founded social enterprises at similar similar times or have gone on to do um, incredible things. Lots of people who I you know call friends or acquaintances. Some who I have uh, you know deep relationship with and some who I just really admire and watch from 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 a distance um creatively uh I mean again too many to name um my team I think Khan has been Khan Heaney's been a really huge creative inspiration for me and Logan Bradley they're, they're two of our graphic designers in the team seeing the way that their brains work and the way that they you know visualize ideas is um it's just such a powerful partnership and it always pushes my own thinking so much further than what I could ever do alone. Oh, thanks, idiots. Yeah, really great to hear some of your backstory and, you know, kind of where you've come from. And, and you know, thinking about just the last kind of, well, it's been kind of four or five months now, hasn't it, since um, New Zealand went into lockdown with COVID-19. I'd just like to reflect on your experience of that, you know, kind of immediate past and, and um, what your experience was like leading up to the lockdown and, and during that and then coming back down through the levels. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting time. I think um, it's hard to think back to pre-lockdown, but, but I certainly know that I, I, I don't think I was, um, I don't think I saw it coming. You know, like there was, I remember, you know, friends and peers and mentors saying, what are you doing to keep Curative prepared for this COVID? And being like, oh, I, th I think we're going to be fine. I, I don't think we have to do, do too much, you know, we'll be okay. And then, and then lockdown hit. And like everybody, I think that was the moment where I went, oh, hold on a minute. 
what is this actually going to to mean for us? Um, what will it mean for our work? What will it mean for our team? What will it mean for how we work together? What will it mean for our own personal um, well-being? Uh, and so that first week was definitely a lot of kind of trying to figure out as many answers to those questions as, as we could. How could we... Uh, technically set ourselves up to be able to work from home really easily what were the kind of systems and practices that we might need to put in place to make sure that we were connecting as people um, and kind of looking out for each other checking each other's anxieties and and, um, and concerns along the way um, checking in with all of our partners to see where they were at and what we could do to support them uh, whether or not work that we had in the pipeline was going to continue or not um, so that was really week one by week two though we had realized that not only was work going to continue but the need increased pretty significantly for um, the sort of work that, that and sort of storytelling that that we do particularly a large piece of work that we partnered with the New Zealand Drug Foundation on to help um, minimize alcohol related harm and uh, the in the two days that we were at level three before we went into full lockdown um, alcohol sales increased by 1700% so we knew that we were going to have a lot of people at home with a lot of spare time on their hands potentially job losses potentially navigating all sorts of feelings and so we we needed to do something quickly to help um, help um, get some messages into the world that would uh, let people know that there were there were other ways that they might be able to to cope and reaching for the bottle that shouldn't be the first thing to go for did you find there were any um changes that, that you made to the way that you work that you've taken forward yeah i mean i definitely think um it's allowed for a lot more flexibility and we've we've always practiced flexibility and we've always tried to you know design working um experiences that 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 work for every individual's kind of own needs, whether that's parenting needs or health needs or travel needs or, or, or whatever it might be. But I think it's really kind of given an, an extra layer of permission or proven just how easy it is for everyone to work from from home and from um, from other places and spaces. Mm-hmm. I think we're still learning what the right balance is. In a team where so much of our work is so relational, um, how do we still maintain those 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 kind of critical relationships and and the trust and support that's needed to be in our work for each other and for the partners that we work with too? And even creatively, um, there's so much you can obviously do from home at, at a point in a project, but that kind of genesis of, of creativity, there's something a bit more magical about being together to to do that to do that work. Yeah, definitely. And so have you found that some of your team are choosing to work from home as part of their mix now? Or as you said, oh, you were flexible yeah. before that, so you might have already been doing it. I think we're doing it a whole lot more than what we were before. I, I think probably um, most of the team are doing a kind of three days up in the office, two days at home sort of a model um, mm-hmm. now, which which is fantastic individually. But, but like I said, the question now is when do we all get together? Yeah. How do we make sure that we've also got that time as a team fostering those relationships? And, and we're growing. We're a growing team. So yeah. that needs to look different. Yeah. We, we can't all fit into a car now. We can't even all fit into <laughs> two cars. Yeah. And um, what about your, um, you know, relationships with your um, partners and, and clients? Um, you find that you're doing more of that online or, you know, still needing to get together in person? 
Yeah, again, I think we're still trying to find the balance for that. We do a lot of work with partners who are based down in, in Wellington, um, particularly government uh, partners and clients. So we've always had to do quite a lot digitally or, or online or, or have had to travel. Um, and I think, again, it's just really working through and thinking about at what stage of a project are we at? Are we at a stage where we're trying to build a relationship and get to know each other? That's actually really important to, to be in person to, to do versus you know, we're, we're at round three of feedback and we just need, we're just trying to get it across the line now. That's that's far easier to do digitally or, or on Zoom or, or, you know, even via emails or Slack or, um, or or other forms. And did you think before about, you know, the travel that you were doing and whether it, you know, was necessary in terms of that environmental impact or is that something that you've been thinking more about now? Yeah, I mean, definitely environmental impact is something that we're thinking about all the time. Being a mum makes travel something that you think about 13 times about before you actually commit to anything. Um, uh, I still actually haven't had a night away from Lucas, so whenever we, whenever I work out of town, it either has to be a day trip or we go for multiple days so that she and my husband can come along too. So I guess in that sense I'm a little bit, little bit unique. Um, but as a team, I think impact on environment impact on um like really questioning is this is this a necessary piece of travel or not is it going to add value to the work or is it something that we can do via via other formats yeah it must be um because it's quite hard to talk about kind of this post-covid world I think because um you know for a couple of reasons for yourself that you've still been busy um and productive during this time and it's in a way it's been business as usual but not um but also we're I think globally you know right in the thick of this or at the start of it um but you know have you thought about this kind of concept of you know what this kind of point in history means and where we could go from here and has your team been thinking about that yeah absolutely I think you're absolutely right though post-covid feels like um an overstatement of where we're at right now. Um, we're, we're still in it. Um, and New Zealand is really fortunate that we're in a more, we're a few steps ahead and we're in a position to be thinking more about recovery. And I think critically what we're able to think about is also what do we want the world that we live in to look like now and into the future? And is this an opportunity for us to start making some bold uh, decisions about not just how individually we might live our lives a little bit differently, but 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 what is it that we're, um, you know, how can we collectively be kinder to the planet, be kinder to each other, um, be making sure that we're not leaving vulnerable communities behind? How can we shift some of the focuses that, that for so long has been on, um, you know, business? Business has been king. Um, how can we make sure that, 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 um, that we're actually thinking more about um well-being, connection to family, connection to place, connection to environment. Um, how can we make sure that we're using resources in ways that that don't don't that that replenish us um, and the planet rather than deplete us and the planet? Um, and those are big questions to ask, mm-hmm. and there are some big systemic things that that we can really challenge. But for us in the work that we do, what what we saw quite a lot of during lockdown was some really quick changes at a political level, mm-hmm. um, big enabling of resources. We saw, um, 
you know, huge commitment and focus with partners who are working on food security. We saw a huge commitment and focus with people who are working with uh, people who, who, who were homeless. We've seen um, uh, health had a massive kind of shakeup in the way that that was, was uh, um, moved into more um, kind of t- technology-based services where there had previously been quite a lot of resistance for change. There was suddenly and still is an appetite and opportunity for for far more dramatic change than what we than what we've seen before, so you know right now there's a real role for designers. You know designers, but that you know that 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 true design. You know looking at the the system and um, and the services and the the way in which we live our lives and how do we how do we redesign those in ways that um, are better for everyone. And how do you think then we keep that kind of at the forefront of people's minds in terms of this, you know, like, as you say, we've seen that um, decisions can be made quickly and, um, you know, we can cut some of that red tape. So, you know, how do, how do we keep that momentum going? It's a really great question. Um, and how do we not just fall back into those mm-hmm. habits? And there's reasons that we fall back into habits. So, you know, they're, they're deeply entrenched. We've got neural pathways that are wired to keep us in those old behaviours, whether that's getting up and driving to work every morning or, you know, um, some of those there's, there's, uh, kind of other social norms that, that keep us held in, the, held in the places that we are. I mean, I think it's about keeping connected to each other. And it's about... It's about staying in that place of humanity. And I think that was what meant that we made some really big shifts and changes was that we were you know, like we were literally in each other's homes for that period of time. You you were a whole person during lockdown. You couldn't pretend that you didn't have a family because they were on your knee bouncing <laughs> while you were trying to have a meeting. You couldn't pretend that you didn't have animals because they were suddenly there. You you know, um suddenly the 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 those kind of personal professional barriers were, were busted away and we just became whole people and that meant that we were making decisions for each other as whole people and so I, I think the way to keep doing this is for us to keep reminding ourselves of our humanity and, our, and staying connected to each other as people. You know and I think already in your kind of day-to-day work in the philosophy of curators so you've um you're pushing forward um and at the forefront in terms of what design is and what it can do you know what would be the challenge that you'd lay out to kind of other design studios in terms of um, conversations with with their clients and and you know keeping these conversations at the forefront? Yeah, I think it's such a good question. You know, I often have either design grads or people looking for career changes who'll come and say, you know, I just really want to do something like what Curative does. Mm-hmm. And I guess often my challenge back to them is, how, how can you live that in your day to day work? no matter where you work, no matter what you do. Um, if you're in a position that you get to either make or influence decisions, you're in a position to change the way that the world works and operates. Whether that's that you design packaging and you can think more about the sustainability of the way that you design that packaging, whether it's that you um, are, you know, doing a shoot and you're thinking about um, the sort of talent that you might include in it so that we're representing more uh, kind of diversity in, in, in commercial storytelling. Um, there are always ways that, that we as designers and, and as creatives um, can, can move the world forward sometime before they even know that we're moving them forward. 
Yeah, and I think that goes back to what you were saying about um, staying connected to that concept of being whole people and and keeping these conversations going with not only our clients but um, with our professional community and and encouraging each other and and having these um, conversations and keeping I think you know planet and people at the um, forefront of our minds really. Yeah, definitely, and I think. You know, the other thing is, how do we democratise creativity? Yeah. So, for so long, the creative industries and creative position has been kind of quite ego-driven and, and quite hierarchical. And, and actually, how do we, how do we democratise creativity and how do we share the skills and knowledge of design so that others, other communities, other businesses, other organisations, other decision-makers um, can use the kind of... The, the power and the vision of, of, of our creativity to be able to see a different future as well. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the other challenge that I'd lay down is to look at our teams. You know, like if you're looking at your team and it's all homogenous, perhaps there's an opportunity to make sure that there are more voices being represented in the way in which you as an agency are thinking about creativity. And I think it's quite interesting that, um, you know, you say you came from the school of life in terms of um, <laughs> that um, not following kind of a, a path of, um, of further study. And uh, in that respect of looking at the diversity of um, our practitioners, do you think there's a place for, you know, high school students coming through and straight into studios and, and being mentored and learning that way so that they can also earn a living? Great question and literally something that I'm grappling with at the moment with a, with a, with a young person, quite a, quite a cool young person too. Um, I definitely think there's a place for, for education and, and I had always intended to kind of follow a, a, a tertiary pathway but I was really lucky to, to land in a space that um, felt quite natural to me and I was a hungry learner. So I, I you know, I consumed as much information and knowledge and experience as I possibly could so I think for some young people, that, that's the way that they're going to need to learn. And it absolutely makes sense to pathway them into practical roles. And, and that's partly why, you know, um, we're looking at, uh, this government is looking at things like apprenticeship programs and, and pathways into um, kind of practical employment. And for others, tertiary and, and learning is going to have a real a real role. And I, I know, you know, some of some of the colleagues and friends um, that I have who who have arts degrees, you know, that was foundational to the way in which they think critically and um, and expansively about the work that they do. So, you know, I think I don't think it's a it's an either or, but it's a yes and. And finally, before just before we wrap up, um, you know, what are you thinking about at the moment, and and what would you um, kind of urge people, um, other designers and creatives to have a think about at the moment? What am I not thinking about yeah. at the moment? That's probably a, <laughs> probably a more apt question. You know, I just think, I think there's a few things. I think, I think there's the kind of, um, how do we make sure that we're doing the work to look after ourselves as, as individuals is really, really important. We have just lived through and we are still living through a global crisis. It's been traumatic, whether that's been a kind of really open, obvious trauma for, for some or for, for others that won't have been. It's still, we've lived through a time of great emotion and stress and worry. And so 
what do we need to do to look after ourselves as individuals? And then the next question is, what do we do to look after our teams? What do we do to look after our communities? What do we do to look after our country? And eventually, what can we do to look after the world? Because the world is, is a, it's, there's a lot of need out there right now. Thanks for your time today. Um, it's been really great getting to know you a bit more and hearing your thoughts around, you know, what has been happening and kind of your hopes as well for our design practice in Aotearoa as we go forward. Kia ora. Kia ora.